This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Next up, we have a story about personal advocacy and how good things can happen through the efforts of one person or group of people dedicated to making change in their community. The city is building a new traffic light and crosswalk in Etobicoke because of the efforts of the sister of a man who was killed there. Laura Hayes is the sister of Jamie Hayes, who was killed in October 2015 after being struck by a car driving south on Islington Avenue near Holgate Street. He was on his his way to a friend's house at the time. It was Laura Hayes lobbying that convinced city council to approve the traffic light over the objections of the city traffic department. Laura joins me now along with Councillor John Burnside of Ward 26, Don Valley West. Hello and welcome to you both. Hello. Laura, uh, first, uh, first of all, Laura, I'm, I'm very sorry for your loss. Thank uh, you. And congratulations on on how you made that happen. Uh, Give us an idea of what it took. Well, it was actually a lot, you know. It was um, a lot of door-to-door, a lot of research, and trying to find a way to fight against the recommendation of the city to not have it installed in the first place. It was, um, more or less, it was a matter of using your voice to express to people the importance of it. You know, I walked, I did uh, petitioning door-to-door. I did my petition. I spoke directly multiple times with John Campbell to come up with a few solutions as to what we in order to make it a safe crossing. You know, the amount of people with, like, the elderly people, the the, the children, the grandparents, the, it's, it, it's, a, it's an absolutely dangerous crossing. <laughs> you know, at 60 kilometers an hour there. And uh, have there been a lot of crashes, um, a lot of um, injuries in in that? There was one that I had spoken with a lady that said there was another incident that had occurred when a woman was getting off of the bus there and she had been struck and broke her leg. And then there was another story that I had heard while I was going door to door talking about it while it had happened. And there was an incident down at Summit Crest where uh, another little boy had been injured down there. So that's why the light at Summit Crest went in. So it, it's it's not uncommon. It's, it's a big distance when you get off the, the TTC to the next light that you could safely cross at. It's 225 meters one way and 280 meters the next way. And uh, do you have any idea of how much time you spent on this? Oh, me? I've, it's been months, you know, like I went out door to door probably on six different occasions with multiple different people. And we just kind of lobbied for that. And then going to the city appointments, going to speak for city council, all that stuff, but generally about a year to get everything said and done for an approval. Um, I have to tell you, uh, right in my neighborhood, uh, there is a light at a place where a child was killed, I think, quite a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have heard of others. And John Burnside, why does it take a tragedy like that? Well, you know, and it's always a very tough situation, but 
the reality is that, um, you know, there are numerous intersections throughout the city. And if we were to add lights at every intersection or long stretches of road, uh, there'd be total gridlock. And that leads, obviously, to other problems, one of, one of them being driver frustration. I mean, I absolutely agree in this case when you have a 500-meter distance uh, between two traffic signals and a TTC stop in between. Um, I think that's warranted. But as I say, the reality is we just can't do everything because it would be total, I'd say, mayhem on the roads. Uh, the other option in, in case of those kinds of things would be to remove the TTC bus stops that service with no safe crossing. That's a big, big issue for, for me personally, because after, like, when I punched in the email or the, the residential address where my brother was going, the TTC app and the Google Maps told me to get off at Deerfoot Road and cross towards Holgate, which is asking me to cross 60 kilometers of traffic or 60 kilometers an hour and four lanes of traffic. Yeah, right? and, you know, so that, that is a, a great idea. And the problem it then becomes one of a political in nature is that politicians don't ever like to take things away, even yeah. though it makes it is common sense. And, you know, that's total common sense. Mm-hmm. But politicians, you know, they take out a TTC stop and then they're inundated with, with complaints. I am glad to see that you went with the we went the community council Etobicoke went with the traffic light and not crosswalks. I think crosswalks are more dangerous than no control at all. Really? Oh, I had, oh yeah, most definitely. Uh, can, I, can you ex- explain that, someone? Uh, I'm happy. I'm happy to. Uh, so the reality is, when you come to a, uh, a crosswalk, people should should say, "Hey, there could be someone crossing here," and look, they don't. People are oblivious, and so pedestrians may or may not hit the button. They start walking, think that, thinking that drivers will actually stop, and they don't. Uh, when I was a police officer and I was a traffic officer for five years, I can't tell you how many uh, accidents I went to, and I use the term accident loosely. Crash. Uh, yeah, exactly. Where uh, a pedestrian was legally crossing within the pedestrian crossover, and the driver didn't, didn't, uh, didn't see them. Yeah, that's very, very common. I have one up on my house that, that is very, very difficult to get cars to stop at. And I, I agree fully with the, the pedestrian-controlled traffic lights. And they had stated to me that they no longer install crosswalks for that reason. Like when it's out exactly. in those residential areas, they don't do crosswalks anymore. Now they only do the pedestrian-controlled traffic lights because of the me- amount of like accidents involving pedestrians at crosswalks. Uh, John, uh have you gone through this process in your neighborhood with the residents who want a traffic light? And uh, what's the kind of bureaucratic hurdles that, what are the bureaucratic hurdles that people have to get through? Well, I mean, it, getting the councillor on side is always helpful because if the, if the transportation department, if the criteria aren't met, the transportation department won't support it. But of course, council can override that. But some of these things are very aren't as straightforward as, as one might think. In my area, there's a, a crosswalk, and, and people want to put in a, a, a traffic light, but then the residents on either side of the intersection don't want a traffic light because they feel that will facilitate more traffic into the community. So nothing is, or things are rarely as straightforward as they would appear, but anyone that wants a traffic signal or any other traffic control for that matter should really... Uh, can contact their counselor uh, because if you have her or him on side, 
it really speeds things up. Um, I, I definitely agree with that. <laughs> and uh, go ahead. Uh, why did uh, the traffic department object to your traffic light, Laura? Because it didn't warrant the amount of people crossing in an eight-hour time period. It's supposed to have, um, I believe it's 200 people cross illegally in order to warrant a crosswalk, which I think is one of those things that should definitely be looked at by the city to see if maybe that's one of the things that should be changing. Because I know out in Etobicoke, the majority of people are driving. And the ones that aren't are elderly people, school children, and people that fall in that category. So whether or not it's one person, you know, I stood there one day waiting for people to get off the bus and cross the road, and I must have stopped about 25 people crossing the road illegally there. But still, that's not even close to the 200 that they're expecting. Okay, Anywhere where there's an arterial road at 60 kilometers an hour, if there's a bus stop, in theory, there should be some type of safe crossing. Laura Hayes and Councillor John Burnside, please hang on. We have to take a break. Uh, People out there, I'd like to know, is there a spot in your neighbourhood that you consider dangerous, uh, that you would maybe like a light on. Um, I can tell you when we come back from the break, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start talking about uh, a couple of bees in my bonnet about certain traffic, uh, uh, you know, and uh, the numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll free 1-866-744-740. And we'll be right back with Laura Hayes and with Councillor John Burnside after this. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. I'm talking to Laura Hayes, who managed to get a traffic light installed on the spot where her brother Jamie was killed in October 2015. Uh, He was struck by a car driving south on Islington Avenue near Holgate Street in Etobicoke. Uh, We're also talking to John Burnside, Councillor John Burnside of Ward 26 in Don Valley West. And I have put out the question, is there a spot in your neighbourhood that should have a traffic light that doesn't have a traffic light? And why does it sometimes take a tragedy to get that traffic light put in? Uh, Let's go to Joyce in Scarborough. Hi, Joyce. Hello? I'm sorry? Joyce, are you there? Yeah. Can you hear me? I can. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, I live at Midland and Kingston Road. Now, one uh, traffic light um, uh, west of there there a traffic light there was a tragedy and they wanted a longer wait uh, a wait time for people to cross it's never happened and uh like uh there's older populations and if you do not have uh for a person with a walker or whatever to get across what good is it uh um do you do you cross over there uh not walking because I have a walker, but I I get ridden across there. So, so you're um, afraid to cross there. Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think I'd have a cane and a I don't know a blinking coat or something if I had to cross. Uh, but there's no uh, city hall uh, narrative from our councillor to extend that light. 
It's all for traffic. Um, okay, Joyce, thanks for that. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, that seems like something that's pretty uh, easy to solve. We have a whole uh, $85 million Vision Zero plan, and that's one of the things that's making a city livable. I mean, I know that uh, my heart goes out sometimes uh, when I'm driving and I see an older person with mobility issues, you know, trying to get across the street, and it, it isn't happening in, in the wait time for that light, John Burnside. And with more and more people out with walkers or, or various devices to, to make them more mobile, it's definitely something we have to look at. I know just trying to get across University Avenue in the in the time frame is is pretty tight. I, the, the problem with the transportation department is trying to, to balance the various interests. If you add one, if you actually add time to one direction, you necessarily detract from time in the other direction. So it, it, it you know it's finding that appropriate uh, balance, if you will. Now, definitely where there are are more seniors, you know, whether, you know, whether it's a senior's residence or just seniors in the area, the city has been looking at changing life and, and in fact, has been doing those sorts of things, uh, as I understand it. Um, Laura, um, have you been involved with um, any of those issues? I haven't been involved in any of those issues, but I definitely see it all the time. And I'm, I'm, I'm young. I'm 31 years old. And there's, there's lots of traffic stops where I have to cross and I have to shuffle my feet a little bit because losing my brother that way has created a little bit more anxiety for me, you know? So as soon as that hand starts flashing, which starts very early, there, there's not a lot of time to get crossed. Like you had mentioned, John, down at University Avenue is another big one, you know? And those are right in hospital districts where people are coming and going with lots of disabilities. Uh, yeah, um, a- another thing, uh, you know, this is this is a, a bit of a bee that I have in my bonnet. O- on my road home from work, um, it's uh, up, you know, a street that's not very big, but it crosses all the major uh, streets. It crosses uh, Dundas, crosses Bloor Street, uh, and the traffic lights are very far, and there's bike lanes. So there's there's bike lanes. There's parking. You have to get really uh, far into the intersection before you can see if you can even drive up. And it's dangerous. It's really dangerous because some car driving too fast can hit you. And, I mean, it frightens me and I'm in a car. Uh, You know, what about situations like that, John Burnside? Don't uh, city officials realize that that is dangerous? Yeah, the only question I would have is how far is it from another signalized intersection? Uh, I there the the signalized intersections would be um, you know a, a large block away on either side. Okay, so so the city has a general rule, and there are exceptions to it, of course, where there has to be 225 meters minimum between signalized intersections, and that's actually the rationale for that is actually one of safety, because what happens if there if there are intersections that are too close together what we find is that people are actually looking at the wrong set of lights. And so then they end up going through red lights because they're looking to the next set of lights that might be green. Yeah, but the, the, the signals are in another direction, right? But, I'm ta- but you have to cross. I'm talking on the major street. Right. But so I'm going up Shaw Street. Yeah. And um, uh, I get to Bloor Street. I have to be halfway in the intersection before I can even see. There are cars coming fast in both directions. 
How do I cross? Well, what I... <laughs> right, what I'm saying is on Bloor Street, how far is the next intersection? Well, it's a long block away on either side. So okay. it's at whatever it is. I forget the names of the streets. But I'm just saying, it's, it's dangerous when you're crossing, uh, even on a smaller street, you're crossing major intersections, and there's no light. Right. So the other the other issue with the, with the city is that what we're trying to do is keep people on major arterial roads and not using the the side streets. So there, you know, as I mentioned, the example I mentioned is that there may well be opposition. I don't know because I don't know the, the the community. I don't represent that area. But a lot of pe- people on Shaw Street, for instance, may not want a light there because it would just facilitate more traffic going up and down their road. So there are always these competing interests and as I say it's a very it's very tricky to find the to find that the happy medium. Okay, let's uh, take a call from Teresa in Etobicoke. Hi Teresa. Yes, hello there. Um, I uh, just wanted to, well, first of all, I'll just mention something also that I, I, I use a cane and uh, I had gone to a medical building that is uh, right next to the uh, hospital that we have uh, in Etobicoke, the one at Sher- close to Sherway, and I was crossing North Queen and uh, I was surprised that also the the light there i was three two-thirds way through and it changed and so i was waving my cane in front as i walked so that you know i could get through but i have a suggestion i'm wondering if anything like this could be used you know for people that have mobility issues could they maybe come up with something like a fob or something that they could obtain somewhere so that they could kind of or a magnet or something that they could I don't know what the solution would be. They could kind of use at that pole to extend it. They could come up with some kind of solution so that people could apply for that or get something like that. Maybe that would be a help, some kind of a device. Hmm. Because not everyone has that problem. But for mobility people, I'm just putting that out there. I don't know. It's a wacky idea, maybe, but... (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Thanks, Teresa. Okay. Let's go to uh, Bob in Etobicoke. Hi, Bob. Hi, how are you? Fine. I live um, on the West Mall, just north of um, Bermanthorpe. And last year they put in uh, some equipment in the park for the kids. And it's been very popular. I've counted as many as 55 kids over there at one particular time. The problem is that most of the people live on the um, east side of the West Mall, and the park is on the west side, so they have to cross it. Also, there is a very busy bus stop at roughly the same place. And they need either a crosswalk or a light there because the kids have to run across. That's a busy street, West Mall. Two lanes each way. And it's a busy street. And uh, people have to pick up the kids and run across the streets, or the kids have to run across with them. It's something that the city should look at because it is a busy little park. And when you say they have to run across because the light doesn't last long enough? There is no light there. There's Oh, and so they go, oh, that's terrible. There's no light Near a park. That's terrible. Yeah, and it's a busy park, and it's not busy right now because it's not summertime. But I've seen as many as 55 people, uh, kids and adults over there in the summertime. It's a busy little park. It's just been put there in the last year, but there's... um, it's rough for the kids to get across. One day somebody's going to get hit. Oh, okay. Uh, 
Okay. Can, okay, thanks. Thank uh, Councillor Burnside, uh, is there any thought given to that? You know, if you're near a park area where there's going to be a lot of children, traffic lights, is that part well, of the planning process? Well, absolutely. Uh, most councillors, the residents, residents normally reach out to the, most of us, and then we ask the transportation department to, to look at the actual numbers. The other challenge, though, is that when you put any sort of traffic control mid-block is you have huge compliance issues. So drivers generally, if they think there's danger to them themselves, we're you know, going through a red light at an intersection, then they're far more compliant than if they're mid-block and you know, there's just a traffic light in the middle of the block and they have no idea why. So it's once again, these things aren't a panacea. And what I would say is that one of the things that you've been very poor about is actually focusing on changing driver behavior. And that's really, in my opinion, done through enforcement, and we've really abdicated that. Okay, uh, we are uh, almost out of time on this. Um, Laura Hayes, what would you like to leave us with? Honestly, I just believe that if we all together come in together as a community, you get more result with numbers. You know, if, you, if people want to change, go within your community. Get a bunch of people that want the same thing and then go together as a unit with city council and work together inside each community. And that's, that's our way to fight it, you know, because there's many stops, many places that I've seen where it's as simple as removing a post or moving one of those hydro transformer boxes or moving the TTC bus stop up by six feet. You know, all these little things can make a difference. So if you see something, voice it. Change it. Okay. Uh, good advice from Laura Hayes and Councillor Burnside. Anything other than driver behavior? You know, how can I argue uh, with what Laura said? She's bang on. So often people will complain to my office and, and I'll ask staff to look at something and then they'll give an answer. And then when I go out, it's actually not exactly that way. So she is bang on. You have to uh, mobilize the community and um, reach out to your counselor to make change. Okay. Thank you so much to Laura Hayes and Councillor John Burnside. If I did not have a chance to get to your call, remember, as always, Free For All Friday is coming up. That's all the time we have for Fight Back for today, and we now break for traffic and news. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.